0: We're going to continue on the pulpit series of the Matthew series. How many of you have been very blessed by the Matthew series so far? That's me, two hands. Okay, so we have come really far, and today we will be covering Matthew 15. So it's good to read the Word of God. Before we're going to pray, I would like all of us to read the Word of God together. I said, okay, then we will bless the Word. So you can look at the screen where the Word... Oh, yeah, I forgot to click this. Okay, hang on. Can I... Oh, what happened to that? Okay, can you see the screen properly? Okay, we're going to be reading Matthew 15, if, if the media team up there can help me with that. Uh, Matthew 15, if you have a Bible, it's going to bring, bring your Bible to church, right? So we don't have to depend on screens, right? Yeah, if you have a Bible, is it digital or is it on, your, on, on a physical, body, uh, physical copy like mine? Flip to Matthew 15, verse 1 to 20, and we're going to read that together. Are we all there yet? If you're there, give me a two thumbs up. Hey, yeah. Or wave your flag. Ah, okay. All right, we're going to read Matthew 15, verse 1 to 20. One, two, three. For they do not wash their hands when they eat. He answered them, and why do you break the commandment of the God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, honor your father and mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if anyone tells his father or his mother, what you would have gained from me is given to God. He need not honor his father, so for the sake of your tradition you have made void the word of God. You hypocrites. Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, "This people honour me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. And he called the people to him and said to him, Hear and understand, it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth this defiles a person. Then the disciples said, They are blind guides. But Peter said to him, explain the parables to us. And he said, are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart and this defiles a person. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Dear Heavenly Father, we truly want to pray and thank you for your word this evening, O God. Lord, even as I speak, O God, may you use my mouth, Lord Father, to speak your truth, O God. That Lord, let me download, Lord Father, use me as your mouthpiece to download what is in your heart, not in my heart, but in your heart, Jesus. That God, we speak, Lord Father, and believe, Lord Father. Your word can transform lives. The Bible is not a book of information, but it's a book that transforms lives. So God, we thank you, and we want to commit, Lord Father, this evening into your hands. In Jesus' most precious name, and all God's people, say, Amen. Amen. So okay, today, we will be going to be talking about um, what is tradition clean or true clean? You'll be thinking, wow, what kind of English is that? But let me qualify, okay? What I mean by tradition clean is what describes, what is described as clean traditionally, And then what true clean is, what is described as truly clean by Jesus. So we're going to be looking at these two things. Remember these two words, tradition clean and true clean. So today's message is going to be pretty short, I think. I have two points. So either we're going to all go home early and happy and celebrate public holiday, or if the Holy Spirit downloads more to me, we're going to be here a little bit longer. Is that okay? Yeah? We're all good, right? Okay. So there's going to be just two points, and today I have titled my sermon, let's say this together, not the hand, but the heart. Come and do this with me, not the hand, but the heart. Again, one more time, not the hand, but the heart. So if we put tradition uh, tradition clean above true clean, that's the issue that we want to tackle today. So if we put tradition clean above true clean, as you can see from the screen there, tradition clean. Um, you know, draws our heart away from God. That's what it says. And then if it's a true clean, it means it draws your heart nearer to God. This is my first point. And the second point is that if you put tradition clean above true clean, tradition clean leads you to spiritual blindness. But true clean leads you to spiritual sight. So remember just these two things. Very easy, okay? So in order for me to get into these two points, I'll be spending some time at the beginning to explain um, what is the relations between tradition and truth. These two things. So it's going to take a bit of time. Just bear with me. We're going to get to the points. So since we will be talking about traditions and in the spirit of Merdeka Weekend, is it okay if I do show you something really lighthearted, a little short video? Boleka! Okay, good. So what you're gonna see uh, on the screen right now is that it's a video done by someone in my team, in, in um, the multimedia team. His name is Paul. He's sitting right there. So he did this video five years ago um, for for a kind of like a competition for uh, in, in in conjunction with Merdeka and he won prize money over it, and he got that prize money and married his beautiful wife from Sarawak. Woo! Okay, so we have great talent in SIB. I just wanted to show you this video, and yeah, let's fix our eyes on the screen. Woo Nasilama, yo Yeah, praise God, so good, right? So we might contribute differently, but we contribute to the same home. Amen? So why did I show that video? It'd be like, wow, everybody's hungry. It is fasting season of all. What's this, right? Yeah, what kind of picture is this? Okay, anyway, I'll, I'll get to my point. So aren't we proud about our Malaysian food, you know? There is a prophetic message in this video. You know, when you look at it, it's like, oh, you know, tradition. You know, we're talking about tradition today. You know, Malaysian tradition is all about food, right? You know, but when I look at this video, it's not just about the food. I believe it was actually the food that brought different races, different people together. And that is the, the, the truth behind that tradition is the spirit of unity there is a spirit of unity even in this nation. We share resources, you know, regardless of race. Because of, because of this truth, you know, behind this tradition, there is a spirit of unity. So turn to your friend next to you and say, you're my ikan bilis to my nasi lemak or sambal to my nasi lemak or something, okay? Yeah, we are all in this together. We are all Malaysians together. So traditions carry a very significant, you know, um, weight to... Our identity, right? You know, because it shapes our lifestyle, shapes our culture, and then it shapes our belief system as well. You know, Malaysian is all about food, but when we greet each other, you know, first thing we usually say is what? Sudah makan? You know, uh, have you eaten? Jialabui or ma or maybe I'm gonna try this. Any pe- people who can speak Tamil here can correct me. Nenggusapilaga or something like that. Yeah, we let's not forget them, right? Yeah, they're also part of Malaysia. You know, we always think about food first when we encourage each other. But what what is that one thing that brings us together? It's a it's a tradition, but it's actually the spirit. Of unity, you cannot take the nasi lemak out of a Malaysian who says our rendang is crispy, you know, or that kind of thing. You know, it will always be part of us. So, let's come back to the message, okay? Yeah, we had a little bit of fun, ready? That's just to tease you a little bit. So, what does tradition mean? You know, we saw the word tradition in the passage just now. Tradition means this: paradosis. So, what does paradosis mean? It's a delivery. It is something that was hand over and it was passed down from generations to generations. So what is the issue here in this passage in Matthew 15? So what happened here, as you can see, is that the Pharisee uh, and the scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem. She chased him all the way to Jerusalem and said, "Why why do you disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. So, what's the issue here? You know, they're so hard up and particular about this whole thing. So what what are traditions to the Jews? To them, it's basically like um, a belief system or an oral teaching that was actually passed down from Moses' time all the way down. And one of the traditions that they hold on very truly to their hearts is cleanliness. You must be clean. But when you think about the word cleanliness, right, they're actually not talking about personal hygiene. You know, you yeah, you know, you ask your kids to wash your hands before you eat and things like that. But this one is different. This one is actually talking about ceremonial cleanliness, and it actually represents religious purity. So for them, you know, just to show you how they actually clean, you know, oh yeah, disciples, their hands are unclean. So that was the issue. They say that your hands are unclean, therefore you have broken a tradition. So let's look at this, you know, this was the Jewish tradition, how they actually wash their hands. So I kind of looked it up on, on YouTube to find a video to see, so what's this whole washing hand thing about? So um, what I saw was that they were using this particular cup and that particular cup, you must have two handles, not one, but two. Must have two handles. And then when you wash your hands, you have to pour one, two. Three, three times, not four times, three, uh, three. Everybody say three. three, three times. One, two, three. When you're done, this hand is clean. You must hold a towel or something like that. Change hand and then wash. One, two, three. And then when you're done with that, you have to put your hands together and start rubbing it and say a prayer and say that the food that I'm going to eat today and right now is clean. Imagine every day, you have to do that. Wow, a lot of effort, right? So that was actually the Jewish tradition. And what happened was that the, the disciples didn't do it, you know? And all these like um, Pharisees were very upset about it. So as you can see, it is a lot of work, but what they believe in is that, you know, when you do all these things, what it represents is that when you are physically clean, that means you are spiritually clean. Clean as well. This is very important to them. Just take note of that. So let's look at another passage. So when Jesus came in, you know, after, after they, they got accused, you know, the disciples got accused by the Pharisee, and then Jesus said this, you know, for God commanded, honor your father and mother, you know, he is. You know, he's very good at you know kind of like like you know, countering what they are actually talking about. So whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if anyone tells his father or his mother, what would you have gained from me was already given to God? You know, sounds sounds really, really good, you know, very religious and all that. So he need he need not honor his father for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. That was Jesus' response to them. So it got me thinking, how come? ah, Why did Jesus, of all commandments, he need to attack this particular commandment? So what they missed out here is that, you know, what what they were talking about is not wrong. It is not about, you know, whether tradition is wrong or not. Not every tradition is bad. But if you put, you know, the tradition above the truth, where you don't understand the truth behind the tradition and you, you only, you know, follow tradition alone, that is the problem. So in this Jewish tradition, what it's saying here is that if, let's say, when you have vowed to God and say that, I want to give everything to the temple because I'm a religious man, you know, I'm a godly man, I must do this. So I must give everything to the church. And when you make this vow, it's what we call in those days the korban, you know, same word like in Bahasa, a korban, you know, it's a sacrifice. And when you give it to the church, this vow is held very tightly and highly by all these Pharisees and say that if you do that, you cannot take those words back. Even if your parents are sick, your father or mother needs money to go and get healing or whatever, you cannot take that money because you have vowed it to God already. Wow, that's insane. That's crazy, Right. But then that was their belief at that time. So let me qualify again. Not all, relig- not all traditions are bad. But if you twist the tradition and turn it into a truth, that is the problem. So why did Jesus emphasize the importance of honoring your father and mother? There are so many commandments there, but why that commandment? Then I realized when I read it, it is in Ephesians 6 verse 2. It says that, you know, um, honour your father and mother so that you have long life. And that is the only commandment that comes with a promise. So how do you honour a person? When you think about the word honour, you're talking about revering that person and putting this person on a very high value, that this, por- this person is important to you. So to the Pharisee, you know, the tradition of the elders is important. But to Jesus, how you treat your elders is more important. Think about that. Jesus was more interested in how we or they treat their elders because when we treat, how we treat our elders will reflect how we treat God. How we honour our elders will reflect how we would honour our Most High God. Think about that. So let, us just, let me just show you an example that is closer to home. You know, many of us here, are Chinese, or you would have known some Chinese friends, right? So when you look at this picture, you will remember, oh, okay, I remember seeing this in a Chinese wedding ceremony. When you do that, what does that mean, you know, when you, in a Chinese wedding ceremony, before they, you know, when they get married, one of the tradition that we would do is that the couple would kneel down to their elders and give, serve them tea, am I right? Yeah, you do that. And what does that symbolize, you know? What it means, what's the truth behind this particular tradition? The truth behind this tradition is that you want to show gratitude and say, thank you, Papa, Mommy, for taking care of me all all the years of my life, and now I'm getting married, and this is my way of honoring you and saying thank you. This is my respect to you for doing all that you have done for me, and this is my honor to you as my elder. So think about it. There is nothing wrong with this tradition, right? But tradition can remain as just a gesture, you can just do it, but your heart is not sincere. When you do it, okay la, you know, I'm getting married, I have to do it, I'm a Chinese, I do it la. But when you do it, where's your heart? You know? Because at the end of the day, it's not what you do with your hands, but what comes out from your heart, which is from your mouth. You can pour tea and give it to your parents, but your mouth don't honour them. Hard truth. Nothing, there's nothing wrong with washing hands. Then you're clean. But the truth is, if you would wash your hands so that your body is clean, think about that. What about being spiritually clean? Wouldn't it be more important that you wash your heart first so that your heart is clean, so that you're spiritually clean? You know, traditionally, you're talking about clean hands, But the truth is, clean heart is more important than a clean hand. That is the truth. Because having a clean heart is more important than having a clean hand. Amen? That is the truth. That's not, so it's not about the hand, but the heart. Not about the hand, but the heart. It is the truth in the tradition that matters, but not the tradition alone. So I'm going to be comparing two phrases in this message. I'm going to get to my point. I'm almost there. Tradition clean and truth clean. So what is tradition clean? What it means is that you aspire to be clean according to what the ritual has handed down over tradition. This is tradition clean. And then what true clean means is that the real thing that Jesus looks to know whether you're clean or not or unclean or not, and we're gonna be studying that a little bit. What is the difference between these two? So the first point, I'm at my first point right now. Are you guys okay? Still with me? Good, okay. So if we put tradition clean above true clean, what's gonna happen is that this will happen. Tradition clean will draw your heart far away from God, and true clean will draw your heart close, closer to God. So let's look at the scripture once again. These people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far away from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. So church, we are now in the season of 40 days of fasting and praying. Remember this day? Yeah, this was the opening. We are now, we are now in how many days already? Anyone keeping track? I hope you guys are. We are at day 25 or 26, somewhere there. So we are about three weeks in already. Very good. Why don't you give your neighbor a good pat on the back? Good job. You know, three weeks in already. Okay. So keep pressing on. Yeah. Keep pressing on. As a church, the question I would like to ask all of us in SIBKL here is that, where is your heart behind this 40 days fast and pray? Jang, jang, jang you yeah, think about it, are you doing it because, ayo, every year also do, you know, since 2012, we've been doing this, you know, same also lah, what's the difference, you know, if I do or I don't do, nothing happens also, you know, or maybe for some of you, it's, oh, I better do, man, peer pressure, everybody is fasting, I better do it, later, Pastor Lee Chu come and check on me whether I fast or not, you know, I better do it. Or maybe, oh, my cell group is doing it. Better do it if not I have FOMO, you know, you know like, you know, feel missing out, everybody's fasting, and I'm not holy if I don't do it, and things like that. But when you fast or pray, what do you do when you fast? You know, when you refrain from certain things, like maybe you refrain from Netflix, no stranger things for about a month or something, you know, um, Let's not play Dota for forty days, yeah, and um, no more Korean drama for a while. You know all these things that you know cannot eat. You know, like meat, no red meat. Every day eat rabbit food. Oh my goodness, you know, you know, be doing all that every day. But yes, we are all fasting. Yes, it's a yearly SIBKL tradition. Do you realize that it's a tradition? But where is your heart behind this when you do it? Where's your heart? You know, God doesn't care if we honour Him with our lips. Meaning, if you choose not to eat, right? You don't eat your meat, lar, or you don't eat certain things, or that. God doesn't care about that. Even scripturally, it says that He doesn't care if you honor, whether you refrain from certain food. But what He cares is your heart. That He's more interested in what is going on in your heart. So fasting is really not about losing physical weight but it's about gaining spiritual weight. What do I mean by that? You know, your heart has to gain weight, right? You know, it should be full of the things of God. You should be hungry for the things of God because when you fast, your heart will be full of God, that you want everything that is in God's heart to be downloaded to you. When you fast, that's what you want. And as Christians, you know, think about this. Sometimes we say this, when I become a Christian, We experience true freedom, praise God, you know, for the spirit of Merdeka, you know. I've experienced true freedom when I become a Christian. Or maybe some of us could relate to this a bit more. Please don't put up your hands. When I become a Christian, I lose all my freedom. Why I say that? I hope no one in this church will say this, you know. I can't smoke anymore. I cannot cohabit with my boyfriend or girlfriend anymore. I cannot have premarital sex. I can't bribe a police anymore, man. You know, I cannot do this. I cannot do that. I cannot go holiday with my boyfriend and share the same room. I cannot do this. I cannot do that. There's so many rules. I totally lose my freedom when I become a Christian. I hope no one's thinking about that. Not in this church, right? Maybe the church down the road or somewhere. Okay. So there's so many rules. And maybe some of these thoughts could be swimming in some Christians' minds. Or maybe we will be asking questions like, Where in the Bible does it say this, that I cannot do this? Show me. Show me where. Where in the Bible? Where in the Bible say I cannot uh, go on holiday with my boyfriend and share the same room with him? It might prick some hearts here, but I just really want to share what God has laid in my heart. Instead of asking where in the Bible it says so, how about we all ask these questions, where is my heart? Where's my heart in this? Or where is God's heart? In this situation, when I do this, does does this draw me closer to God? When I do that, you know, when I bribe a policeman, does that draw me closer to God? Think about that. It's not about what you can or you cannot do. It's not about your hands, but it's all about the heart. You know, if you put the hand above the truth, the things that you do above the truth, your heart, will be very far away from God. You can be very good at what you do, but your heart can be very far away from God because you don't know the heart of God. So friends, think about this. Where did your truth come from? Where does your truth come from? Our hearts are constantly exposed to the things of the world all the time. You know, when we read Facebook, BuzzFeed, or maybe you know that WhatsApp that was sent by your, your, WhatsApp forwarded message that was sent by your auntie in Penang or Johor or your uncle from wherever. You know, when you read those things, we read all these things more than your Bible, our truths will be defined by all these things. If you don't read your Bible, your truth will be defined by WhatsApp messages, Facebook, BuzzFeed, even CNN, everything that you see that steps into your world. You know, we don't want to have some of God and some of the world. Because God is not looking for people with an undivided, a divided heart. He's looking for people with a singleness of heart. That He wants people who has a pure heart, that nothing is divided in them. There is no, I want a bit of the world, and I want a bit of God. I want all of God. And we don't want this to be a tradition in SIBKL. When we do this 40 days of fast and pray, we don't fast and pray every year because it is a tradition. Just a little bit of something to show you here. You know, look at that, you know. Oh my gosh, it looks super undone and things like that. So this was, this is actually a picture of a group of young adult girls. Um, yeah, one of them is obviously me. If you can't recognize me because you no know, makeup, hashtag, no makeup, don't care. Okay. Yeah. So what happened was that one of the girls in our group actually said this, okay, 40 days of fast. let's do this. we going go to together together and pray every Wednesday morning. At initially she said like, 6 a.m. or something like that. I was like, "No way, man. I'm not that holy. I don't want to do it." And things like that. So, but she was like, "Come on, let's let's do this." You know, so she she actually gathered all of us into a chat group and said, "You know, if we can't gather physically, there's technology, what? Let's do Google Hangouts, you know? And we are doing this for the last 3 weeks." So, why I'm sharing this, you know, it is not about being boastful or showing off and saying, yeah, you know, yeah, you're very holy, you've been doing this for the last three weeks or so. But the point I'm trying to make is is that, you know, I even say here, kita you know, you have to start somewhere. You know, the desire has to happen in your heart first that, you know, God, the first thing in the morning when I get up, the first thing I want to do is to roll out a bit and appear in front of my computer and meet up with my friends and let's have a prayer altar together. Who in this universe actually does that, right? only someone who is hungry enough and crazy enough to say that I want to draw near to God and let's do this together as sisters in Christ. And I just really want to commend these group of sisters who have encouraged me so much to do this because, you know, in order for our hearts to be cleansed, we need to draw, die to ourselves. we need to die to our beds and things like that, you know, get up in the morning and wake up and say, God, the first thing I want to experience is you, you know, draw me away from all these temptations, you know, I'm too tired and things like that. You know, it's not impossible when you say, God, I make this decision and say, yes, Lord, I want my heart to be cleansed. I want to draw near to you and I will do it together. So I pray that this church, SIVKL Church, will be a church that wants to fast and pray because we want our hearts to draw closer to God, amen? Amen. Is this the church that I'm worshipping in? Yeah, if that's you, why don't you give a big shout of praise to Jesus? Amen. In His Word again, it says this, you know, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. If you know how to say this, say this together with me. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk to them. And when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. Church, Church, If there is one tradition that you need to pass down to your next generation, this is the tradition. Teach your next generation how to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your strength, and all your soul. It's not the hand, but the heart. Amen? Yeah. So the second point, are we good? We're doing very well, right? Yeah, I love this service. We're very responsive. Love you guys. Okay, so if we put tradition clean above true clean, again, let's just repeat that again. It will be, your heart will be far away from God. And if you put true clean first, your heart will be drawn closer and nearer to God. And the second point is that when you put tradition clean above true clean, it may lead you to spiritual blindness But if you follow the true clean, that path, it will lead you to spiritual sight. And scripturally it says this let them alone, they are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, they will both fall into the pits. So, what happened here in this passage? Let's come back to the word again. You know, the Pharisees were too fixated you know, on the tradition clean hey, why they didn't wash their hands, you know? So their hearts are too focused on the washing, too focused on the doing. And what happened was that they missed the woods by the tree. In this scenario, the Pharisees was trying to find fault with Jesus every single time. You know, they kept chasing after him and trying to find fault with him. And the problem with some Christians today, or some of us, is that when we don't, you know, when, when we are blinded, you know, we tend to fight with God because we cannot see the truth. You know, it's just like how the Pharisee, when Jesus is standing right in front of them, they cannot see the truth. Jesus is the truth that can come to them and cleanse them and spiritually cleanse them and experience true freedom. And just, just that they are, right in front of, they are right in front of Jesus' eyes, but they still cannot see. They could not see. All they did was wrestle with God. So there was also a similar scenario when you look at this passage here in John 8. You know, there's, what happened here is that, you know, Jesus said in John 8, I am the light of the world. And then down further, the Pharisee said, your testimony is not valid. Then Jesus says, whoever obeys my word will never see death. And then the Pharisee says, now we know that your demon possessed, you know, who says these kind of things, you know, crazy. You know, then Jesus says, very truly I tell you, before Abraham was born, I am. Okay, then the Pharisees heard that and said, you know what, this guy is totally nuts. And they started stoning him. And before he stoned him, he went off. And down further, when you read John 9, this is where it gets crazy, okay? When you read John 9, what happened was that this was the passage that talks about spiritual blindness. Because when Jesus retreated to the temple, he saw a blind man who was blind from birth and he touched him you know, he spat on, you know, like some mud and stuff and started rubbing on him and he started seeing. You know, Jesus is quite brutal but very honest and true, right? You know, he was trying to prove a point. You guys are blind. Look at this man. I touched him and he see. And what happened was that the Pharisees still wanted to fight with Jesus and started to to challenge this man that got healed and say, who is this person who healed you? Tell me more about him. But the man answered this, I don't know who he is, but what I know is that I was once blind, but now I see. That was what he said. And then when Jesus heard that, because they were were annoyed that he said that and thrown this blind man out, and Jesus said this, you know, he found this man and he confronted this man. You know, do you believe? You know, do you believe in, in this passage here, in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? Tell me so that I may believe in him. Then Jesus said, you are now, you have now seen him. In fact, he's the one speaking to you right in front of your face. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. Wow, to me, that blows my mind because this man did not even say, Hey, is it really you? ah? Sure not. Are you really the son of man? He did not even say a single word of that. Not a single ounce of doubt. But all he did was, Lord, I believe. How many of us can say that when Jesus appears into our face one day like that? You know, then Jesus said in verse 39 For judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see, and for those who see will become blind. What a deep, powerful message. Which one are you? Where are you? Can you see God? Jesus is not looking for external cleanliness. He's not looking for clean hands. That's tradition clean. But He's looking for a clean heart. That is true clean. A heart who is sincere in believing in God. When he sees God and says, Lord, I believe. And when your heart is clean, that is true clean. And you have received spiritual sight. Amen? You guys good so far? you learning something today? I'm very excited as I speak. So, you know, the next verse that really spoke to me about spiritual sight is this verse. It says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This is from the Beatitudes, you know. When you call something pure, you're talking about, when you say this, this is pure goal, right? You're not talking about 95% gold, 99.99% goal. We're talking about 100% gold, pure gold, nothing more and nothing less. When you call something pure, it is just pure, as simple as that. So when God desires a pure heart, when your heart is clean and pure, you will receive spiritual sight. And I can testify with that, you know, because I've experienced that myself. Is it okay if I share a story? You guys good with that? So bear with me because this story is a little bit long, um, but I believe that God has laid it in my heart to share it with all of you. Initially, I was struggling a little bit because it's very personal. God has processed me since early this year about this one particular verse, and, and I'm just really very blessed, and I just want to see where God takes us from here. So This is a picture of um, my home blessing. So this happened in April 2019. So for some of you who who may not know, obviously, that uh, I moved out from my parents' place and I started living on my own. So I've been living out on my own for the last a year or so, and I've been staying in a three-bedroom apartment alone. So it's been quite challenging for me because financially it's been very stretching. Um, you know, one person staying at three bedroom apartments. Sometimes I also wonder like, did I make a mistake buying this place and things like that? So a lot of doubts come into my mind. But what happened was that when it came to early this year, I decided in my heart that, you know, I think it's time to, you know, um, rent out one of the rooms. Let's do that, you know. So I made this prayer in January this year. I said this to God, God, if you can find me a housemate without very minimal effort on my end, then I will give you praise and I will let people know that it was all you and I will totally give this testimony to you. It must be you. And I said that prayer and I, you know, happily think, okay, you know, God will definitely answer my prayer one. You know, he's a good God, he's a good father and things like that. So February came, March came, nothing happened. Wow. Sounds familiar. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So you pray and nothing happens. And I started to feel the pressure already you know like every month I have to pay the loan the mortgage and all that it's getting crazy and and I was like god where are you in this you know I've been praying and asking you to bring me a housemate and don't have so I decided to take matters into my own hands and I thought okay la you know I will start to go into like rental apps i believe speed rent everything you know advertisement for them right now you know all these things you know and put all this up on the ad and let's see what comes through A lot of people come through, but it became so frustrating that there was no deal that came in. People just come and go, and there's so many times I have to open the door just to get people to come in and see the room and all that, but nothing comes through. And I'm starting to question God. God, where are you in this? I thought you can do a miracle, and this should be kacang putih for you, What you know? Why is this not happening? And then April came. I was quite, disappointed already, and, and this was sometime around Easter, this girl came to view the pra- place. It was quite promising at first. She said, okay, I like the place, um, but I want to pay lesser rent. Oh, when I heard that, I was like, seriously, man? Like, what else, you know, what else do you want? You know, things like that. And um, so my heart sank because she said she wanted a lower rate. And then she asked, she basically asked for 50 ringgit less, lah. So um, this surge of frustration came to me and I was thinking, wow, I wasn't annoyed at her, you know. I realized that I was annoyed at God. I was like, God, you've got to be kidding me. 50 ringgit or so you want to count with me, uh? you know? Like, why like that? You know, like, why can't this just be it, you know? So I told her, like, you know, one, let's give ourselves one week to think about it and let's see where this goes. So one week passed. So on my way to work, um, what happened was that it, uh, I saw a text from that potential tenant and then her response was, oh, seriously man, she was like, so how ah? Uh? That, that was a text to me and I was driving to work and when I saw that text, I was so pissed that I threw my phone on the, in my car. Yeah. I threw my phone in my car that I was just upset in my heart that what is wrong with God? Um, and when that happened, I remember driving to work and coming to to church for work. And what happened was that week, we had a special speaker. His name was Bob Sorge, and he had a companion. And he was ministering to the staff team. So I walked into the the sanctuary too at that time. And the, the, the companion was actually leading worship. And guess what song he was singing? You're a good, good father. Whoa. Okay, so when I walked in, I was like, you gotta be joking. This is the last song I wanna sing right now because you're not a good, good father. So I was angry, I was annoyed, angry, and then he started singing in words that he just felt like singing. He said, you're my provider. And wow, the more I heard it, the more frustrated I got in my heart that I just didn't want to sing it. I just retracted in the corner of the room and I cried. Because it's just crazy. Like I felt like, why? why? Why is it that, God could withhold 50 get from me, you know, things like that. Why, why is he doing that to me? So that, I was in an emotional mess. So that week, April, was my birthday, and um, Pastor Lichu came out to, and, and invited me out for lunch. Usually that's what she does every year. And she said, oh, come, you know, let's go to this restaurant and let's have a meal and let's catch up. And the golden question came, how are you, uh? So, uh Yeah. So I was, honestly, ministry was doing well. You know, MAC team was doing great. You know, a young adults group are thriving as well. Everything was good. But deep down in my heart, I was unhappy. I was just angry. I was frustrated. I was comparing myself with people who had answered prayers. And I told her, like, I don't know why. I'm just really upset and frustrated and I shared with her that whole incident about that whole rental issue thing, and I blurted this out to Paslichu, "Why can't God give me that fifty ringgit?" <laughs> <laughs> and when I said that, you guys are laughing, but I cried. I cried in front of Paslichu in a restaurant where, incidentally, next table was a bunch of ladies' people from ladies' cell. In SIB, I have no idea why they follow us. No, I'm kidding. Like they were just there. And I cried and they must be wondering what did Pastor Lichu do to me or something. I cried and I, I was just broken inside because when I said it out loud, Pastor Lichu asked me this question, have you lost the wonder of God? And when he... Okay, I don't know why I keep crying whenever I thought about this, but, you know, when when she said that, have you lost the wonder of God? That hit me so hard and made me realize that, did I just lose sight of God? So what if I have a great ministry, I have a great young adults group, my hands are so clean, but my heart is so defiled. I lost sight of God. You know, I went into spiritual blindness, and what happened at that time was that when I said, why can't God give me that 50 ringgit? That was my breakthrough. Because God was just luring out that unclean thought in my heart. And it came out. And that was a confession. And when that confession happened, that breakthrough came. I just want to share that with all of you. God, I was once blind But now I see. God helped me see that because if He answered my prayer many months ago, I would have lived in this spirit of entitlement inside of me until today, that just because I work in church, just because I serve a great ministry, does not make my heart clean. I can have a clean hand, but my heart may not be clean. And God needed to deal with that issue because He truly is a good, good Father. Only a good father will discipline their child. And that was my encounter with him because it's not because he wanted to hold back a blessing, because he was more interested in my heart. There was a power in confession at that day. When I confessed, why God, you didn't give me that 50 ringgit, that was that unclean thought that came out from my mouth. And Pastor Li was that person that witnessed it. There is power. In confession, I don't know about you, church, maybe there is something in your heart right now, I just sense in my heart, that God needs to draw out from you. It could be something that is is defiled and you've been praying for something for a long time and you're not experiencing a breakthrough. And I know that this message is just not for me, but it's for some of us here as well, that you'll be wondering, why God, I'm disappointed with you, you're not answering my prayers, but could it be? that God is trying to lure something out that is defile in your heart. That time, my breakthrough happened, and I want to believe that today, somebody here is going to experience that breakthrough where they're going to see, they're going to spiritually see today. Coming back to that story again, you know, when I said this to God, God, I don't want that 50 ringgit already. <laughs> Clever already, lah, at the time, right? I don't want that 50 ringgit anymore. And guess what? A few days later, this girl texted me again and said, you know what? I'll take your offer. (laughs) You see, God is never too early, and He's never too late. And this is even greater because she decided not to take the car park, and I managed to rent that car park out with, with more money, and I basically got triple what I was asking for. That is God. That really, truly is God. And and really, now, at that time when I look back, I thought that was how I should see God. But I realized this is how I should see God. You know, He's a good Father. And I want to share this with all of you that He will never shortchange you. Amen? It's not the hands, but the heart. It is not about working hard, but God wants your heart. So I'm going to close right on time. You know, what about you? Why don't we just close our eyes as we reflect on this message again? Do you know that Jesus is more interested in your heart? Thank God that we don't have to keep washing our hands because it's not the hand but the heart. Church, give your heart to Jesus. Jesus, Let Him cleanse your heart. I sense in my heart right now that some of you here, as I said just now, you've been praying for something, you've been praying for a breakthrough, but for some reason, it's not happening. You're disappointed, you know, but I felt that God is trying to lure something out from your heart, that He's trying to work something in you, and He wants to cleanse it. If that is you today, You know, the altar is going to be open. I want you to just come forward and maybe there is something in your heart that you need to confess it. Whether is it big or small, God is still interested in it. And maybe for the second group of people that I want to pray for, you're actively serving in church and God has brought to mind your elders, your parents, your grandparents, Maybe people who have been taking care of you. Perhaps you've been spending so much time serving God, doing the right things, washing your hands. Your hands are very clean, but God is looking at your heart. Have you been spending time with your parents? Have you been honouring your parents? If that's something that God is kind of like tugging in your heart right now, I just felt like, you know, I just want to pray together with you And you can come forward and maybe even just surrender this whole situation to God because God wants to clean your heart.